you want to get your Bibles out, turn to Ezra chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. I'm going to do that too, get right there. Man, these are such good days in the scriptures that we find ourselves, such joyous days. We're in the God is here, we are here series. So in this series, we're looking about how God has returned back to Jerusalem after the repentance of sin, um, after the nation has, has gotten right with God, to put it that way. And the temple's completed, it's finished, they're celebrating. We talked about that last week. They're celebrating and dedicating. All of this is going forward, and we're looking and we're diving into exactly what does that mean, right? So we talked last week about how we can celebrate well in each and every day for the Lord, and now we're going to look at this dedication piece that took place. Now, the sort of the, the focus of the entire Ezra series is for all of us to leave here and build relationships with others through relatable practices passions and places that draws people closer to God. And that's exactly what the temple and in many other things that it was demonstrated and represented in Jerusalem at this time. Now we know that the Holy Spirit dwells in us because we're saved as Christians. We know that, that Christ is here and that we are the temple of God and that we walk and wherever we go, he moves with them. This is how he's indwelling with them in order to have so much more of an intimacy. So let's just look at the scriptures here as we um, dive into uh, Ezra uh, today, uh, chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. So they offered at the dedication of this house of God um, 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 lambs, and as a sin offering for all Israel, 12 male goats, according to the number of the tribes of Israel. And they set the priests in their divisions and the Levites in their divisions for the service of God at Jerusalem, as it was written in the book of Moses. So what we're seeing here is this dedication that's taking place at the temple with all the lambs and all the sacrifices is a way to celebrate God, which is fueled by forgiven sin and relationships made right. How do we know that? Well, we know that from verse 17, because you have to ask the question, right? Um, in all of Scripture and in all the places that we see things, and all the animals exist in all of creation, why did they choose the bulls, rams, and lambs? I'm just going to hit you real quickly with the significance of the sacrifice of these animals and why the dedication is so important. So the bulls existed, and you would offer bulls in sacrifice for the sin of the high priest and everybody else that was there. So that's why they were there, right? So if you're coming to the temple of God and you're getting right with God, you've got to deal with the sin that's in your life. So they're like, that's what the bulls are for. And that's how serious they are. A hundred bulls. Have you seen one bull? Huge. Now imagine a hundred of those sacrificed. And you're like, man, that still might not be enough. Because I know my neighbor, he got lots of sins. He needs some more bulls. But that's why those are there. So they're celebrating and they're dedicating themselves to God. Then we've got the rams. And the rams are super extensive. But you know when we talk about like how do you make things right in the Old Testament with your neighbor when you harm you? When you harm them, then you get, and which is so interesting, right? Like their sin with God, it's, it's like a hundred bulls. But then we start talking about their relationship with others, it's double. Because you offer rams in sacrifice in the Old Testament for unintentional sin. And then when you've offended somebody else, that's how you make it right. It's part of that process. So you would offer those rams. So they got 200 of those. So they're covering the unintentional sins. And that's how they're making things right. If someone harms you, right, they, they keep your weed eater too long and then break it. What are we going to do? Get the ram. Here we go. Right? And you get that out there. And, and then you handle all of it that way. So not only do you, when you come to dedicate yourself to live for the Lord, you want to make sure you're right with him. But then you're also, what? Right with others. So that's what 
quickly the rams represent. And then, of course, we have the lambs, which I'm going to digress because we're going to get into that some next week. But when you're talking about lambs offered, the, these are, I mean, you're immediately thinking of the Passover lamb and the symbolism of Christ, as we know, because we have the fullness of Scripture. But in this particular context where they are, um, that's one of the things that you would offer in order to just to hear God speak. Like, if I just need wisdom from the Lord, what can I sacrifice? Well, you would do a lamb. You could offer a lamb for that. Or what if you just are so grateful? Like, how do I thank God that we're not in Egypt anymore like we once were? Lamb, that's how you do it. You would offer that. So what you see here is just, and I don't want us to breeze over these huge numbers and go, wow, that's a lot of animals. There's a very specific point to why they're doing that because they want to dedicate themselves to the Lord. So they have to deal with sin and make all the relationships right around them. And that's what they're doing in this context. It's really at the, the heart of this celebration which is fueled, and really, celebration is, is always fueled, at least in its best way, from dedication, which is who. So, because you have to ask the question, how can we know when someone's truly dedicated to someone or something? Like, how are you going to know that? Have you known someone's truly dedicated to you in a relationship, or if they're dedicated to you in, in the workplace or in the neighborhood? I mean, how do you answer that question? And one of the ways that you can know that someone's truly dedicated to someone is they don't hesitate to show devotion and commitment to that one. You don't have to twist their arm. You don't have to make them do things. It overflows and comes out of their heart. And they're like, here's the bull. Here's the ram. Here's the lamb. Here's my sacrifice as we see it in the New Testament. We even talked about that several weeks ago, that we should daily be offering pleasing sacrifices to the Lord. And not in the end of it, but what does the New Testament say is a pleasing sacrifice, right? Your good, right worship in spirit and truth, um, for one. So here, that's what's happening, is they're like, look, we love the Lord. This is what we know of him. This is what we know of it. That's what we're going to do, which leads us to this one thing that I would say to you. Don't hesitate to dedicate this day to God. The challenge is that, one, well, we'd read this and go, well, that's in the Old Testament. That doesn't apply, but it still does. Why? Because they're dealing with sins and relationships that they have and also desires and hopes and dreams. So each day should be dedicated. And we'll look at a scripture here in a little bit later that talks about that, why it's so important and also why it's so dangerous when we don't do this. But we should seek to handle the day in a god honoring way is he still not worthy of your sacrifice is he still not worthy of your glad submission would god accept any of these animals even these 12 male goats which is for the atonement of all the tribes for their sins if they did it half-heartedly and begrudgingly because they made them and the scripture tells us time and again no the scripture shows that when people come half-hearted or not even caring or doing it because it's just ritual or tradition and with no heart in it he tells them to actually stop just leave it there at the altar and go away. That's what got him into this mess in the first place, at least one of the things. But Jeremiah was like, return to the Lord, return to the Lord, return to the Lord. So we handle the day in a God-honoring way. How do you know that? The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. He's going to let you know what's right and true to do. He'll remind you of scriptures. He'll tell you the best way. Because when you're going to work and going, how am I going to handle a Monday morning dedication to the Lord? And your answer will be very specific to you and God's will and created purpose for you. But we shouldn't hesitate to do it. Because when you're dedicated to someone, that commitment and devotion, it, just, it comes out. You don't have to be forced to do it. So let me give a little more context to dedication. 
um, dedication to God must have devotion and commitment or it doesn't count, right? It shouldn't be, I have to, but what? I get to. That's what it should be. I get to love on God this way. I use it all the time. That's a little phrase um, that, man, I think when, in my early days in youth ministry, that's where it came out, right? Because you'll like plan something, and then they'll be like, do we have to? And I'll be like, no, you don't have to. And then they get excited. Yay. And I go, you get to. And they're like, no. And I still use that today for my kids, right? Do we have to do extra math for homeschool? No, you don't have to. Yay. You get to. No. Right? So dedication is, is fueled by this. You're, you're helping others to see that God's number one to you, that your devotion and commitment followed by the Holy Spirit is directed and guided in zealousness for who he is. That's how you know. And, and, and they do that in the world all the time, you can tell. You can just look at people and know things that they love, things that they like, things that they desire. You can tell by the way that they dress, their external presentation, what they care about, little knickknacks on their office desk. I mean, all that stuff exudes what they're committed and devoted to. And God is no less worthy. In fact, he is most worthy of us to do that. Now, the very first dedication that you must do to the Lord of devotion and commitment is you. You are the thing that must first come before the Lord in dedication to bring to him. Before we become Christians, we know that we're dead in our trespasses. The scriptures tell us that. Our sin is killing us. But by grace through faith in Jesus, we can be saved from that death. So before you run off and you're like, I'm getting all the Christian t-shirts and bumper stickers and and get a magnet from the church here and put it on my car. Before you do any of that stuff, the very first dedication, the very first glad submission, the very first obedience that must take place is you in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That is number one. And it's so, there, there's no good reason why you shouldn't. In fact, let me show you the scripture verse to show you why there's no good reason for you to continue to deny Jesus Christ. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, um, verses 4 and 5, as we talk about this dedication that takes place. But God, being rich in mercy, means he has a ton of it, Ephesians, rich in mercy, because of the great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So there's no good reason to deny Jesus Christ. There's no good reason to turn away from God because he's what? He's rich in mercy. He loves you at your worst. He loves you when you think you're the best, but you're not the best. And God is like, look, in your trespasses, I take you from the sin which is going to kill you. And what? Take that out of you at salvation and infuse in you the righteousness of God, which then brings you life and you are made together. Because it's by grace that you've been saved. What's grace? Grace is mercy. What is grace and mercy? It's unmerited favor. <coughs> which is just a nice way of saying you don't deserve it. Unmerited favor. There's no merit badge for grace, right? I did all the things the Bible said. I've earned salvation. Nope. You don't see that anywhere in Scripture, and you never will. But God says here, I will save you freely if you would just but come. Right? Romans 10, 9 and 10. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you what? You shall be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe unto righteousness, with your mouth that you confess unto salvation. I mean, that's it, y'all. That is easy. Then, wow, the good journey starts. The good journey starts. So I would say to you, when you're thinking about dedication, if you're here, Christian, remember your salvation. If you're not online, 
That's what you need to deal with and handle now. Dedication to God is, is also about turning away from our sin, being forgiven so that others might do the same. Let's take a look at Acts 26, 20. Let me give you some context of what's going on here. Basically, Paul, he starts his day off with his own plan, his own plan. And you know what his plan is? I've got the scroll from the Sanhedrin, Pharisees, Sadducees, in my back pocket. We probably don't have jeans. In my tunic pocket. And he's going down to Damascus to what? Continue to arrest and imprison, torture, possibly kill the people that are in the way. Christians. And that's where he's going. He's headed to Damascus to do that. And he's already done it before. And as he goes and as the historical account tells us jesus encounters him the blinding light what do you persecute me lord who are you jesus the christ he finds salvation and he's recounting this story to to well a, a bunch of noblemen royals basically everyone from the poorest of poor servants to the highest kings he's telling the story about how christ transformed him and how he lives dedicated for who god is and what god's doing now this is very important because now we're getting the connecting thread of dedicating ourselves to God each and every day. So remember, he's going to Damascus. And then here's what this verse says in Acts 26, 20. Paul's telling of his conversion. But he declared first to those in Damascus. Let's just stop there, right? So burning a hole in your pocket is the worn out for all their arrests. You show up in that town, but that is not what you do because you've been saved. What does he do? I am telling them of this story of Jesus Christ and how he saved them, which we know they struggled with, and I understand that, in Damascus. Then in Jerusalem, so he goes to Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and also to the Gentiles. We know that all of Asia that no time had been ministered to, if you could just imagine that. So he's just going. He takes his day. He pushes forward in that and also to the Gentiles. And what? What does he tell them? What is the message that he has dedicated his entire life to? He's committed and he's devoted. It's right there at the end of verse um, 20 in Acts 26. That they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. So Paul, every day that he wakes up, every town like Philippi, Ephesus, he's sending Timothy out, sending Titus out. This is at the heart of what his day is. I was on my way to persecute. I was on my way to kill. I was once lost, but now I am found. And now I go and I share this truth that they should repent, turn to God, and I perform deeds in keeping with their repentance. That's what he's dedicated to. And they're quizzing him in a trial to figure out if they should kill him or not or imprison him for the things he's doing that the Jewish leaders don't like. All of this in a context well, this could be the very end. And this is how he lives his days. You can read the rest of the New Testament and see this popping up time and time again. I mean, he goes so far to go, look, if, if Paul's like, if, if I could die and go to hell and everybody else would go to heaven, I'd do that. I can't because that's not how grace works, but it is my desire to see that you would all be saved just like God. So this is how Paul answers that question. And what we see is that the biblical deeds that honor God are the evidence of fruit and devotion to God. Because you start asking, well, like, how do I know that I'm dedicated to who God is? I'm a Christian, I'm saved, yes, and I've got Bibles at home and I read and study. But what are some other things that help me to understand that? And this is one of those ways, this, these biblical deeds. That's why he says perform deeds in keeping with their repentance. Christian people think biblically. Christian people act 
biblically. They love like Christ and they live like Jesus. Does that make sense? They, they do what Jesus teach. They do, they do what he taught. And that's what he says. We also see that the biblical deeds he uses help others to see and have a commitment to God. So in these biblical deeds, he's evidencing his devotion. He knows it could be the end of his life. Maybe it means some of you lose your jobs. Neighbors don't want to be friends with you anymore. Grown kids, young kids, teenagers don't want to talk to you anymore. But those that's at stake counts it all as loss for the eternity that waits for him and the relationship that he has. So he puts forth. So he takes this devotion, he takes his commitment, and together he has dedication. And he puts that in to God. So how can we know when our dedication is right and true? Biblically speaking, looking at Ezra, looking at Ephesians, looking at Acts. When we've repented of our sins, and that's what I like, right? You, you turn away from your sins. It's a, it's a Greek analogy. Sin is there. I'm turning away, and I'm running to God. And you're doing that in such a way that draws other people closer to him, and you perform deeds. Uh, what does it mean? You live life that demonstrates your Christianity, your faith and relationship in God. And you show that out to others. That's dedication. That's what he's telling us about in all of these things. It's amazing and it's incredible the challenge that we have before us in living for him. And it wouldn't be in scriptures if God couldn't empower you to do it, right? Now we love the verse with, with Christ, all things are possible. It's really true. In every aspect of your relationship, dating, engaged, blended, married, widowed, widower, retired, prime earning years, thinking about getting into whatever scenario that you find yourself in, Christ is there to help you and to set that example. We exist to bring God glory and make disciples. That's why you're here. And whatever method God chooses to do that, he's infinitely creative. He has all strength and wisdom and knowledge and sovereignty. You can choose which to do that. But to you, you exist to bring God praise and credit with your life and help other people do the same. In the middle there, Jesus is saving souls and doing all of that work. Christ alone, faith alone, works. And dedication to God is an important aspect to why we exist. It's huge. Remember, remember just like in the, the scriptures of Ezra, it fuels us. Our forgiven sin reminds us our relationships made right because God's done things are so, so, so great because of what he does. So let's talk about a gospel-centered worship, our, our worship time with God that centers around Christ. Here's what I'd say to you as you're working through this way of dedication, which, by the way, is great fuel for celebration. Those who are most dedicated have the most to celebrate when it comes to the Lord. Find out what pleases God, do and give that to him. I mean, let that be your prayer request. Let that be the de desire of your heart when you're on your knees at the edge of bed or sitting in your recliner or, or whatever, or you're waking up from taking a nap after you were already praying into a nap. And you're just like, yeah. And you talk to the Lord and go, Lord, what pleases you? What can I do? What can I give to you? Not as in he has need or want, but, but how can you express that dedication, devotion, and commitment to him? And just ask him, man, what a, it's such a great conversation to have with the Father. Hey, if my kids did that to me, you'd be attending my funeral. I would stroke out if my kids were like, Dad, Father of mine, what could I do to show my devotion and commitment? I would be like, the Lord is returning. 
there he is, right? Now imagine you've created all these people. And in your devotion, you would come to the God the Father and just say, God, what could I do, Father of mine, to show you my commitment this day at work, where I worship and where I live and where I recharge my soul? And he'll be like, watch this. It's going to be awesome. Let's talk about community when you're out with other people. Uh, it's important. So this is a way in which, which we can live that out, right? You want to commit to believe, think, and act in a biblical way in every situation you face today. So there I will. When I was younger, we used to, used to call it the light switch, right? Like there's no light switch to your Christianity and your faith. I'm out with the boys, off. I'm running around doing whatever, off. Oh, I really like this streaming series online, off. It never happens for Christians. You can't try to turn it off, but it's always on. And you're always responding to every circumstance and every situation, no matter how small or minuscule it may be or, or, or how large you think that moment or event is, you're always responding in a biblical way in that moment of dedication. And really, the way that that works is, is in the small moments of dedication is how you will have any hope of excelling and succeeding in the big moments. You think the martyrs gave their life for Christ without any preparation before? No. They were with him. They believed him. They read the scriptures. God had saved their soul. They remembered that there was more to life in this world than just what was before them. So it should have cost their life. May they all see. Man, I hope my death draws at least one person closer to the Lord. And they just give it all. So we die each day so that Christ is shown as the way for others to see. So I would encourage you, whenever you're out there, to think biblically. And one of the ways you're going to know how to do that, you're going to have to study your Bible. You have to know what it says. You need to get with other Christians who are studying the Bible and, and talk about and figure out and work out and unlearn some stuff and learn some other things so that you might be dedicated, right, to him. Because when you ask the Father of mine what it is he'd have you to do and he tells you, you'll be more equipped for it. Here's a great way to serve others. Help others to see that God is rich in mercy, makes us alive together with Jesus Christ. One of the greatest, most seminal moments in a person's life is the moment of salvation. And there are big ones, I get it, right? Getting engaged, being married, promotions at work. You can put mile markers down all through the timeline of your journey. But the one that towers above is, is the moments with Christ. I love Jesus more than I love my wife and kids. And my wife loves Jesus more than she loves me. And I am super happy about that. I desire that. I want that. So in this moment, we start thinking about this. If you're like, oh, I don't know about God, I don't know about Christ. You can take into Acts 26, 20. Share how Paul lived his life. Go to Ephesians 2, 4, and 5 and go, he is rich in mercy. He is great in love. How he's loved us. And he brings us together by grace we're saved. So I would just encourage you to always find out where people sit in their relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not hard. It is not hard to have that conversation. God will work. He'll move. The Holy Spirit will stir in them. Let's talk about multiplication as we talk about dedication. The, the way that this multiplies and the dedication goes, because it, it seems so interior to our soul, right? Like, oh, God, I'm just dedicated. I'm going to go forward. 
But in successes and failures, respond to God in a devotion-filled, honoring way. So yours and others. We don't, we, 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 well, you guys know the verse, right? We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. So we don't respond to headlines the way that the world does. We don't respond when our best friend makes a life-altering mistake the way the world does. We respond in a way that's God-honoring and that draws them closer to God and at least shows the path in which they can get to Him and, and many other things in which we do. So when you're talking about how do you multiply dedication and desire in other people so that they might draw closer to God and then spur that out into others, you respond in a God-honoring, devoted, and committed way when you're with people's successes and failures. So you don't let them take pats on the backs or punches in the face. Sometimes, well, we already know James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above. And it's when you, you do something good, it's God at work. Something bad and horrible, we're like, look, bring this before the Lord. We bring that to them. Why? Let's look at the one thing one last time. Don't hesitate to dedicate this day to God. Remember, Paul was traveling on the way to Damascus with what? An entourage of other soldiers who were going to help him beat and kill and arrest and drag moms and dads and kids out of their homes because they love Jesus. You know that was a super awkward conversation on the way to Damascus because halfway there, he's one of them. Then halfway there, he becomes a Christian. And you're like, what? We were called to get guys like you now. We are called to come after who you are. Yet still, he says, come in, and he doesn't hesitate. We see that in scriptures. He ministers. You know he ministered to those guys. What are we going to do now? We're going to start talking about Jesus. What? That's not what I signed up for. I wasn't commissioned to do that. But he does. Then he goes to Jerusalem. Then he goes into Jesus. And he continues to move and work. And he performs deeds, which is keeping with their repentance. They do things um, that honors and upholds the scriptures.